Welcome to Say Shura, the Music Explorers podcast. I'm Jim Jam. I am Scoot Magoo. And uh, we've got a more, I don't know, talky episode today. Um, I was going to say cerebral, but I like talky a lot better. Yeah. I, well, I mean, we're, <laughs> we're, we're going to get cerebral. We're going to get pretentious. We're, you know, we're, we're probably going to end up, you know, like, you know, in, in like a fist fight, you know, things like that. Because it, it's, it's 2019 it. and no, nobody can have like, you know, a... Uh, a mature exchange of words so uh we just kind of have to follow suit scott you know i'm, yeah, I'm sorry I, I, there so. will be blood yeah and i mean and i'm not talking about the movie oh god i love that movie so much <laughs> i haven't seen it and you i know you're really mad at me. I, I mean I, I i hate being that guy it's like oh you gotta see it but like i mean just for me scott like that that that, that might be my favorite movie of all time like uh, I've, I've heard nothing i want to see it some i've heard oh, nothing it's, but good it's, things about it it's fantastic i mean and the johnny greenwood score is like oh just amazing um anyway so yeah um be, before you know scott punches my lights out because let's let's be fair in a fight you you're definitely gonna win this you, you're definitely gonna kick my ass so i mean i've never fought anyone so i don't i don't know uh, if that's I, I mean, I, I'm not, I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like I still feel like you, you, you got like the power behind it, you know. And I'm like, I, 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 I describe myself as a lover, not a fighter. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a hugger, not a fighter. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so let, let's let's get some context on this. Basically, our conversation today is um, basically the idea of music as a tool for manipulation and sort of the ideas that we can extrapolate out of that and sort of the thoughts around that and. Um, so as a prerequisite for what for this episode, uh, I had Scott watch a video by the YouTuber named uh, Tantacruel, uh, not to be related to the Pokemon of the same name. Uh 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 uh, uh right? Uh, <laughs> At first, I thought you were just. <laughs> I thought you were saying like uh uh uh, and uh, I was uh, like, are you are you confused, uh, Jimmy? Like, what's wrong? Uh uh, uh yeah no. Uh, one <laughs> Tantacruel. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> that was my, I guess my Italian version of the. the uh, well, yeah, you, you know, they, the, w- w- when the count doesn't have his fangs in, he's over like getting ziti. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck, oh, man? man. I, oh, well, wow. I, I mean, so, so just very small aside. I it's funny how like easily uh, a Russian accent can become a Transylvanian accent. Uh, it, for for people who, you know, obviously who are trying to do the accent, not like native speakers of both yeah. countries um, <laughs> like actual actual yeah. fa- that would what be the, really funny what though. are you talking about i talk i talk i talk to normal transylvanian accent <laughs> i don't even know what that that is the... yeah i don't know i'm uh, if you ask lauren i'm horrible at accents yeah um well <laughs> anyway so uh tantacruel he is a composer and a software engineer um on youtube and he's he makes a lot of really interesting um videos about you know uh some of it's about uh some software design for music uh programs like he does like a whole uh video just taking down sibelius which is uh a a music notation software for like composers basically uh he's i mean he rips on that thing for like half an hour it's it's i kind of feel bad in a way for for the developers of sibelius but um (laughs) he does that with a couple other programs but the this this 
new video which I came to uh, from Polyphonic, the other YouTube channel uh, dedicated to music for them. Um, he posted this on his Twitter when I was just looking through and I felt and I was watching it. It's just really interesting. It's called uh, Corporate Music, How to Compose with No Soul. And it's about 15 minutes. It's all about sort of uh, how corporations as of late have been trying to, you know, use music as sort of a device to, uh, you know, change public opinion and sort of, uh, you know, uh, take people, take advantage of people by their emotions, you know, where like, you know, I, I, a lot of his stuff had, uh, you know, I think he was talking more about the politics of it as well. Just, uh, I think a big, big one he was using was BP and just sort of, uh, their, their usage of like this corporatized music that, um, you know, you listen to it and it's automatically feel good music basically. Um, so, you know, I, I just thought this was an interesting video and I thought, you know, talking about how music manipulates people and, you know, whether, whether it should, which I mean, I, I like obviously not, but, um, <laughs> You know, but we'll we'll get into it. But I, I just thought this was um, a conversation that I thought was worth having. Uh, you know, and I think with with most of our conversations that we have on this podcast, um, there really isn't any specific like there isn't any definitive answer to what we have. You know, I we're we're, we're more sort of reaching into what's in this proverbial pond and just you know you know just sort of seeing what's in there. And sort of exploring that um so scott you know why you came out so i really want to hear your thoughts about this video first before we sort of just jump into this whole topic um because this is your first time with this uh with this guy and sort of you know coming into contact with this video so yeah i thought first i thought the video was really well made i loved mm -hmm. his his delivery, sense of humor, um, it, it really added color to it. And it was nice that he clearly was well-resourced, uh, you know, researched. Yeah. He referenced uh, uh, Benamine and Adorno, two critics I actually studied in college. Uh -huh. uh, they're really famous. They're from the, the Frankfurt School, I believe. I think yeah, they, I... Were, they were German, and they had to flee from, from Germany during, uh, you know, obviously the Nazi regime. But they had, you know, a lot of uh, interesting cultural critiques. Uh, I... One of them was much more positive than the other one. I forget which was which, but one basically thought that you know media was making us you know you know dumb. You know it was corrupting us. One out. The other one was a bit more positive about what media can be used for. Uh, so I thought it was interesting. Um, I kind of it made me think about how this works in reverse. And there was a specific example that worked for me. There's a a band called uh, The Pains of Being Pure at Heart. Um, and they're kind of like synth pop, dream bop, jangle pop kind of band, just like light, uh, bubbly music. Uh, and one of their songs was used in a, I believe a Hershey commercial. And it was watching it made me, I mean, I still, I think the song's fun and catchy, but it made me really look at that song and think about how, um, it really is exactly the type of song you would expect in one of these type of commercials. A, like it's a, it, a lot of that pop music. It's surprising, yeah. like it's surprisingly easy to fit in yeah. with that stuff. I, I think that just comes from, you know, this idea of, you know, if you study basic music theory that there are, you know, these certain chord changes 
that immediately can evoke emotion. Mm-hmm. You know, it's sort of just, I, I mean, it's, you know, it's a very much more detailed, actually scientific explanation of like, you know, why major chords sound happy and why minor yeah. chords sound sad, that type of thing. You know, it's, uh, yeah, go, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say that there was, uh, I think I did a, for one of my public speaking classes in college a while ago, I had to, uh, or I think I did something about just music in general, just, uh, uh, I don't remember what the slant was, but I talked about how researchers have gone into remote tribes and played, you know, contemporary music from, you know, contemporary music from the Western world or whatever, the, uh, I hate saying civilized world, but you know what I mean? Like our, our, our countries, our, our culture. Yeah, just... And they were the most, most of the people in these remote tribes, remote cultures were able to identify what was happy music, what was sad music. And it, it kind of reinforced the idea that there are kind of innate, you know, chords and, and, and sounds and there are, there are um, slants of, of the musical spectrum or, or what have you that are universal, at least to, to some extent or to the vast majority of people. Yeah. So it's funny that you bring up the sort of the idea of the reverse of of this idea of corporate corporatized music because uh, I was thinking about that too, sort of this, well, maybe not exactly in the same way you were, but um, sort of in the way that I, I think a lot of artists as of late are more interested in politicizing their music and sort of interested in using the music more as a you know delivery system in a way for for their agenda which in my opinion is no different from what these corporations are doing except that you know these artists end up with like you know good pitchfork ratings so uh, but I th- there's a couple uh, things I kind of wanted to bring up beforehand uh, before we just jump because that whole topics that, that that that's a whole you know crud hole basically <laughs> that we're gonna get into um actually they, I, I don't know if you remember this in the video but there's a part of it where he he just takes a really nice jab at the edge for uh yeah well, he, he just uh he was just like like okay we, we all we need is you know like, we just need to take a page from the kings of mediocrity also known as you two <laughs> like, i mean it, it's super true like when yeah. i was younger i thought that uh it, it, it does i don't want to say like if you're like a less trained ear or, or whatever you want to call it someone who's less experienced in music or kind of is not looking at music that critically his guitar work does sound like so much more impressive and so much more technical than it actually is mm. um like like once you realize oh he's literally just using like a fucking delay effect yeah <laughs> like he's literally just using guitar you know like you know studio tools or effect pedals to to do that he's not actually doing anything super crazy um, yeah, I, I I just thought it was funny just to take a, a jab at them, but like, yeah, a, a lot of this, you know, because it's definitely not like a one way street. It's not like corporations are like, you know, they're the only people making this music that is just ultra bland and you know, really just bent to sort of tug at your heartstrings. As a, I mean, it's it, it. I mean, I I would consider it literally propaganda. I mean, I would consider that. I mean, that's the root definition of propaganda, um, of just, you know, delivering uh, a message, basically, you know, in the form of, you know, art with the idea that it's it's sort of trying to manipulate you. Um, but I actually I was just because when you brought up that um, the pains of being pure at heart, I was it immediately occurred to me. Do you remember um, the old? Remember when Rhapsody used to be a thing? 
Um, uh, the, the the old streaming service. Vaguely, yeah, that yeah. sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was wild. Like, I don't even know what they're doing. I, they might even still be around now. I don't know, but um, I just remember when. <coughs> uh, I mean, this was just so many years ago now. This is like before streaming services because like they used to have every single South Park episode you could watch online on South Park's website for free. Um, so I, I would, I pretty much watched like every episode from like season one to 10, probably 10 or 15 times during, <laughs> during that span. But I always remember that they had this commercial in between them and it was for Rhapsody. And the, the music that they used was, uh, it was the chorus to uh, Kings and Queens by uh, 36 to Mars, which admittedly I, I actually really like that song but i didn't even know that song at that time and so i was you know i was always like this is like an interesting like you know it always sort of gave you like this like sort of free flying feeling that mm-hmm. like you know you can do anything with rhapsody <laughs> you know <laughs> it was it's just interesting to see that this isn't that this isn't just bp you know this isn't just you know Airbnb or what have you trying to you know t- trying to tell you that if you use their product you know you'll get all these nice warm and happy feelings because see we got the music here <laughs> you know it's it's really interesting just to see that it's a lot of a lot of really popular music you know does this which I think is you know kind of one of the big reasons why um you know, a lot of people have problems with pop music is just because it's that it's that bland and sort of um, opportunistic, I guess, and sort of um, maybe not agenda driven, uh, though I think it can be. But I, I think just more just in terms of like there it, it, it doesn't feel like an artistic expression, I think, sometimes as much as it feels like. Um, you know, a bunch of record executives trying to take advantage of people by, you know, making sure that these chords, you know, that, that these certain chord changes are here and that this sort of production is here and that you got like, you know, you got your acoustic guitar or you got like your little banjo or you know, not banjo, I'm sorry, ukulele, uh, you know, and, you know, you, you, you have it fun and, you know, that, that type of thing, that, that type of sound, uh, which is... I mean, arguably, like, a ton of indie pop. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> maybe that's why I don't like indie pop. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I just, I, I, I guess, I, I guess the first question I, I sort of want to bring is, is, you know, like, where do you think the line is? Like, w- w- would you count um, something that BP made as music? You know, even if the yeah, I mean, I, I think it's clearly. I mean, yeah, if you define music as the the purposeful organization of sound, you know, to be listened to, I mean, it's it's. it's well, music. I, I I guess what would you call it art then? Um, I mean, if if mu- music is considered a form of art or an art an art form, yeah, then I guess. I See, mean, I I I think we have a very similar um, outlook when it comes to sort of this this you know part of aesthetics um because i i'm i'm of very much the same opinion that like you know if i i because i think a lot of people consider art to be defined by its intentions rather than its form i guess um because you know like for example 
we um you, you know like i immediately i think of like the genres art pop and art rock which i mean you know th- you know not, not to go into this entirely but like it's it's really not a great genre label um because it, all it says is that like oh these people are more artier which is like what the fuck is even that <laughs> but like but but at the same time there's like a distinct sound like you 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 know like a kate bush when you hear it as mm-hmm. opposed to like you know like maybe like a florence in the machine um you know that you you can hear those differences but i think a lot of people you know consider that to be like you know it, it's sort of like the de- like the difference between regular art and then fine art basically and i've always found the definition to be complete bullshit because it's it, it's really propagated on the idea that you i mean and I, I think other people would put would say it differently but i, I you know personally i just see it as oh you have an agenda <laughs> you still, like you you want people to think like this and so you're gonna make you know like i think of like performance art that like you know uh like like there was this old yoko ono performance piece that she would like she would just be like sitting in the middle of the space it just regular clothes and the audience like two audience members would be given like scissors and they were allowed to just cut off uh pieces of her clothing uh oh, oh. yeah it, and it's like it's like yeah I, I i can see where you're going there you know i i can see what you're saying but like like but i i wouldn't consider that art really it's more like it's it's more like an idea i think that that's that's sort of the crux here is you know I, our ideas art uh and i would i would say like i think ideas can be art but i don't think they're inherently art if that makes sense i guess i i mean uh, i guess how would you i feel like that might count as art though because if you're thinking like if you have something that's very conceptual, like I mean, like what the definition I just said for music, that's super broad. Yeah. Like the per, the per, I mean, that covers um, Mersbau as much as as Beethoven. Yeah. It's it's super broad in that sense. It's just about you know the intent behind it. I, I guess I guess the crux of the argument. This might be the the good segue into it. Is I don't think that corporate music is as evil as this video makes it out to to be. Yeah. Or as just because, I mean, I, I, I'm not I'm not a fan of big corporations. I'm not trying to defend them, but yeah, yeah. I guess I guess what would what would they do instead? Is my question. Like, it's I, just, I mean, this is they they would just find some other. You know, they, they would either find some song that you know sort of match what they're doing. It, it's sort of like during um during the 2016 uh, presidential campaigns that like you know uh you know Neil Young like for you know reportedly like asked Donald Trump to like stop using rocking in the free world as mm-hmm. as his song you know like things like that um i i think i i, I kind of want to just defend tantacruel for a second because I, I even though i do agree with you i think that he's uh i mean he's definitely you know being pretty harsh and like you do bring up a good point that's like what what else would they do which I mean, they're a corporation. They're going to do something else to take advantage of people. It's you know, it's it, 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 it's like asking a dog not to bark. You know, um, but I, I think from coming from his point of view, you know, he has he's you know a composer who you know I I, I think 
you know, e- even beyond sort of the means that he goes through to get his music out, uh, which I think I'll talk about right after this, though. Like, it's it's not as if composers are a very popular bunch nowadays. You know, it, it's like ridiculously hard to be a classical composer nowadays unless you're already like kind of already have it in like you're like a like a Penderecki or like you know like an Arvo part or like you know you already have all these grants and you already have like a ton of money in a way and like mm-hmm. a ton of like support by the arts community um you know trying to you know break it in nowadays as a composer is like next to impossible because just the you know the communities that exist for it are just no longer even close to as powerful as they used to be you know even like 20 years ago and even then they weren't powerful so it's um i think you know consider giving 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 that some thought i think just that corporations are sort of using these you know like, like it, it it's it, it's basically like it, it, it's like playing with the cheat codes on i guess like i i i think that's sort of you know and i i this is i'm assuming his you know i'm trying to think of what he would probably think about he would probably have a great defense and probably make me look like a fucking asshole you know so which deservedly so but um you know i i i think that like it's it, it would be like if if i was playing like a game of skyrim and like you know, I just decided to put in, like, all, like, the PC codes to just, like, you know, like, oh, yeah, in- infinite health, infinite arrows, you know, make, make me a Khajiit and a Nord at the same time or something like that, you know, like, it's, it, it, it's like, but what's even the point? Like, you know, uh, it's, I, I, I guess he's sort of taking it as, you know, sort of someone who makes music to be like, you know, come on, guys, like, like you know, y- you could at least try in a way but i i i think that in a sick way i think those people who actually design that type of music are trying it's just that they they happen to be using incredibly powerful tools basically yeah but i i just i don't think commercial like it's it's music for a specific purpose it's not a larger that's true important piece um it's not like a, a multi-part suite or a symphony or anything like that. Like, I mean, frankly, company, and again, I, 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 I'm not saying it's for, for better or worse. It's just kind of, it's how these companies think. It's a utilitarian mm. argument. It's like, what, why are we going to try to license a really uh, popular song? I mean, I, I took over, we do a podcast for my job, and I listen to a ton of stock corporate music for the background. A lot of it sucks. A lot mm. of it is really bad. And it's really simple. But if it gets the job done, and really, I mean, like uh, Tanner Cruel said, they're trying to get some very basic emotions. Like, they're just trying to get music that is very simple to produce and hits at some really basic emotions. And what BP did after the oil spill was super, it was super obvious that they were trying to do oh, yeah. propaganda. Like, it wasn't, but I, I feel like it, it then it, it the onus is on the consumer to an extent to see through that because i thought it was pretty transparent i mean what like what else are they gonna say like like yeah we, we dumped an, an atrocious amount of you know toxic product into the ocean and killed a lot of ecosystems or, or you know affected a lot of ecosystems like they were trying to save face but you have to i think it's up to the consumer to look into it and say hey like this is kind of 
this is kind of bullshit. <laughs> like, this yeah, is, this is them I, clearly just trying to sit, you know, like be like, hey, everything's cool. I, you know, I think it's just we, like, I, I, I guess it's just tough because um, I don't think there's much room for people to actually look at that and actually think clearly about it. Uh, which I mean, just going into, you know, a whole different conversation, just sort of about, you know, late stage capitalism and sort of how it's affecting our daily lives and sort of how, in a way, um, we aren't supposed to think because we're just supposed to be tools in a machine. But <laughs> but I feel like that that removes a little bit of our agency. I, I mean, like when it's not like you see a commercial and you automatically purchase a product. Like you could look into does this company. Um, support causes I disagree with or I mean I feel like there's enough information out there especially nowadays that you can see like if, if you want to I, I, I'm talking more about just like the impetus behind the per- this, the single person like it's it's not like 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 you know there are resources to quit alcoholism you know like to, 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 to stop drinking but like you know you, you need you need that like power to you, you need like you need to reach that rock bottom point to actually stop drinking you know <laughs> Well, I, I don't. I mean, I don't think just like a, a a cheesy commercial is the same as like I don't think we're addicted to, um, like I mean, there are any number of commercials for products I see on TV that I or in in media of any kind that I, I'm not inclined to buy it just because of the mm. the ad. Um, I mean, marketing works. You know, I, yeah. I mean, ultimately they're trying to um, persuade you. To do, you know, they're ultimately that's the point of marketing yeah. is to persuade you to do something, and it, it it can work, but it doesn't work without you buying in. Yeah, you know, it doesn't it's... work without you on on the other end saying I, I agree with that. I think that uh, I need the uh, sham wow and that it's going to help. Um... Scott, you do need the sham wow. I, I, I mean, <laughs> seriously, how many times do you have to understand that? I've tried. I, I've pulled you aside many times. <laughs> and I've said, Scott, you need a sham wow. You need the sham wow. Yeah, it, um, and you you just don't fucking listen. <laughs> but it, it, it was funny. Like I, I loved uh, when he talked about. Uh, well, I guess loved is is kind of a strong word only because when you realize it, it, it it's kind of sad. The the whole when he actually composed some of these you know stock songs. Yeah, and like how simple it was and how repetitive it was. And how you heard it, and you're like, oh, I've heard a thousand commercials that sound like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I've heard so many, uh, you know, you, you know, so much corporate music that was was like that. And it really, because it's it's in the background, it's meant to kind of cushion the message they're trying to convey. Um, you don't even notice. Like, if you actually listened or, like, looked in the music on a lot of commercials, you'd be like, wow, this is, like, super bad. Like yeah. this is really like not not well composed, not well performed. Yeah, um, I, it's it's kind of actually if you ever look at um, it, it's it's like if you ever look at um the chord changes, like if you actually study like the circle of fifths and things like that, like there are so many like uh you know the like, porcupine tree has a song called uh four chords that made a million, that like I I, I it's it's kind of I always interpreted it as kind of a jab at like all these like you know artists who just use the same freaking chords over and over again to make a song like so it's sort of like an acdc almost except that it's just pretty much using their, the same riffs over and over again as well <laughs> no um but like, you know another conversation for another time i you know the when i was thinking about sort of you know when i was mentally preparing for this episode I, all i could think of was you know just sort of how 
you know, I, I, I feel like Tantacruel really only gets, you know, sort of half of, you know, the, not the odds, but like, you know, like it, it, it's almost like he only shifts the blame onto, uh, you know, people who are blatantly using, um, you know, music as a way to manipulate to make money. When I, I think that, you know, there are a lot of, you know, if you if you moved it over to like, you know, ideology as well, you know, I, I think there's, you know, I, I don't think anybody is really, you know, uh, safe from criticism in this, or at least a lot of people aren't like, because I think, I, I mean, if, if you'll allow me to wax philosophical for a second, um, you know, just to go back to sort of like this idea of, um, you know, ideas as art, you know, how sort of, uh, you know, we, it, it feels like the critical art world is more obsessed about what something means and sort of the philosophy behind it and sort of what can be extrapolated from it as opposed to the thing itself, uh, which makes me, you know, really consider like that there's like, you know, you, you put like, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like a real, like, okay. I was just listening to Richard Dawson's, uh, 2020, which is a great album. Uh, I mean, it, you know, it's, it, I can't say it's, you know, one of my favorites of the year, but it's, you know, you, you, you can't listen to that and not be like, this is, this is well-made, but at the same time, his lyricism and like, is just so, so on the nose, like to the point that like, you, you know, you're, you're breaking through some cartilage basically. <laughs> Uh, it's it's like like in the way he sort of sings it, it just it just feels like there's like just no tact to it at all mm-hmm. it just like like he has a, a track called uh i think it's a fulfillment center and I mean, it's all about an amazon fulfillment center where like employees you know have to like pee in the bottles because they can't leave you know to use about because then the, their numbers will go down and the, they'll be fired basically Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, it, it, and so, I mean, and it isn't like Richard Dawson is putting this poetically even <laughs> like he's just, he's literally pretty much just saying that it's just that he's singing it. And it's, it's not that I, I I'm, I'm not, I think w- w- with any of the artists that I'm talking about here, I, I'm, I'm not, you know, arguing against their points of view. I'm just more arguing that I, I, I think that like, it just feels like that these people are you know, it feels like that artists are equally couple of, of using music as a tool for manipulation, as, you know, a BP is. You know, it's, it's just that their ideas are just, uh, you know, shifted a little. You know, it's it's more, you know, it, it could be anti-corporate, you know, like, but it's still, <laughs> like, it still sort of exists in this, in this strange space of, like, um you know art as philosophy you know as opposed to art as just art you know like it it sort of comes i I, there's sort of like it feels like there's like this presupposition about um art's meaning as opposed to sort of you know in in my opinion i've always thought it to be um a very nebulous thing that sort of when you put a creative spin on something it ceases to have the exact same meanings that it would if you put it on like for example like take something like sarcasm you know or like parody like you know um oh what's the name of that um that that old freaking uh jonathan swift essay um 
the where he's where he's talking about eating eating Irish children. I, I can't even remember. Oh, uh, I, I don't know. He, he, uh, God, I, I think it was called like you know like a sensible a sensible purpose or something like that. You know, and the the entire thing is just like oh yeah, you know like the the the, the way to solve Ireland's you know famine just just eat your children. You know, <laughs> like which you know. I, I think the, there's some playfulness with that. Like, you know, there's parody and there's sarcasm that, like, it's, you read it and it's obvious, like, by the context that it's like, okay, he's not being serious. And I think with art, there's sort of a similar thing going on that, like, once it sort of enters the sphere of becoming art, that it sort of doesn't have the same power that it, like, it, it, it doesn't have the same power that it does. Uh, as like an essay and not to say that it's less powerful though um i i think what what i'm what i'm trying to say i don't know i'm my, my mind's going like a bunch of different places at once right now um like my, my point is just like sort of that there's this way of going about art that i think you know like i i i think you sort of put these things in the gray as opposed to just, you know, um, like, like if, if you, if you put everything down as like an essay, like, I don't know, it just, you know, it wouldn't be, you wouldn't take it the same way you, like, you know, if, if To Pimp a Butterfly was in fact, you know, an essay that Kendrick Lamar wrote, you know, as opposed to being an album, like the effect it would have on people would be considerably less. And I think part of that effect, though, is because of the nebulousness of music and sort of how it, um, you know, even though you can put, you know, meaning, I think you can you can pretty much tag meaning on on certain pieces of art. It's ultimately a very uh, gray and sort of ambivalent thing that sort of uh, shifts off meaning in, in a sense. I don't know if I'm talking out of my ass or what here. So no, it was just a lot, just a lot, um, a lot there. Um, I know we, we've, I mean, we've been long been on the different sides of, of whether or not, I guess, politics or just general. Um, I can't think of other good point. Like you know, kind of artists talking about their political beliefs, yeah, and stuff like that. Uh, I, I, that it really doesn't bother me, um, at all. I. I uh, I, I guess it, where where do you draw the the line? Because I mean every every album with lyrics has some type of message. Yeah, so, no. I mean, when, so when is it too too it's, much? It's just more like I, I I don't think it's the I I think the line is is difficult because I I think we're sort of coming at this from two different you know sort of dimensions in a way because I I don't have a problem with you know Richard Dawson you know saying all this or anything like that like it's not even if it's super on the nose like i'm like okay whatever like you know maybe on the nose but you know it's still like musically very interesting um i think i think i'm talking more about uh the side of the critic and sort of receiving this as opposed to being on the side of generating it um what i mean is that like you know i i i i think that like you know we we can't just go into a piece of art and be like oh yeah this is what this thing is objectively about, because I, I think you can see other, um, you know, other things you you can interpret. Everybody can interpret things in different ways. So it's not like 
you know, one thing is going to be like 100%. You know, and again, it just comes back to this idea of art as gray is sort of existing in this this cloud of, you know, um, ambiguity, I guess. Uh, so I, I'm talking like, like so if, if there's any proverbial like line being drawn with like, you know, politics and music, it, it's more just in the fact that we, you know, it, it feels like we interpret things so easily and so and so definitively. And that's the thing that bugs me, I guess. Like, for example, um, when we were talking about Nick Cave, uh, you know, the latest Nick Cave album, Ghosting, um, you know, I mentioned that a lot of people were really, I felt like, misinterpreting Skeldendry a lot. Um, You know, just because I I think they they were like, they sort of put two and two together. They're like, oh, Nick Cave's son died, you know, halfway during this album's recording, you know, even though again it was halfway through so like you know it, it like it has some effect but it doesn't mean the whole album is about that whereas i i think ghosting was more about that like um like i i i i guess what i'm like i i i just think that there's there's so little like i don't want like i don't want to say objectivity left but it, it, it's it's like um it it feels like we we don't have any like sort of boundaries between the subjective and the objective anymore like it, it like let, let, like it, it's sort of like just like how you know maybe you like you know but maybe like faith no more like you you weren't a big fan of the real thing i love it you know but are 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 any of us right about that <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think whenever you have any any given, I mean, there wasn't a ton of deviation from uh, the general consensus about to pimp butterfly, for example. Uh, but yeah. there were a few. I think there was one piece in complex where someone was very critical of it. Uh, I don't remember the exact details of it. It also was a poorly written article, so that doesn't really help. Oh, I, um, what, what, what I mean is that just like I, I think our opinions, like I, I, I tend to think of like our criticism as sort of like on like two different levels. That like there's first like sort of the microcosm that's like sort of our own opinion of it, and sort of like you know like I, I think that everybody has their own thoughts on aesthetics. But when you bring it into a larger macrocosmic sense, I feel like those rules and those ideas tend not to fit every case, I guess. And so, you know, you end up with like just like this big cloud when you when you talk about something as a whole, like, you know, whether this is the best album of all time or what have you, like, you know, you can say it. I, I feel like it's easier to say like, oh, this is my favorite album of all time, as opposed to being like, this is the best album of all time. But I yeah. think I think it would be te- tedious if we had to, you know, follow everything by saying it's our opinion. And like what I was going to say earlier is, um, you know, like every you know, Pitchfork, Rolling Stone, all they're all contributing to the discourse, which is the collection of thoughts on uh, on something. I don't think anyone. I mean. The writers of Pitchfork might disagree with this, but I don't think their opinion is objective by any sense. I mean, mm. I think everyone... It's obviously delivered on a different scale, and just given the nature of how music criticism works, or you know how at least the public has perceived music criticism, is that music critics somehow have a, like a larger stance, or they have a larger um, platform with which to say. So when really, I mean, they're well-listened. It's kind of when Fantano 
made that uh, response to that guy who said he's just a normal guy. Um, this is a little yeah. while back. He said, "Yeah, I'm just I'm a well researched and you know well listened listener. I mean, I, you know, I don't want to discount the fact that I've listened to like for example, I, I think you and I would write a much better album review than um, uh, like like my my grandma, for example, who, <laughs> who like just hasn't listened to a lot of you know rest her soul, but you know hasn't listened to a lot of music at all and wouldn't be able to." Um, really articulate why she likes something or have enough music to, to know why she likes something, for example. Um, but I, f- I feel like it's, it's contributing to uh, a larger conversation where it, it, it kind of what you take from it is what you take from it. You know, you, you yeah. can take, take a review to take um, what, what many people are saying about something and does that help inform your worldview of something? Uh, like, the, I'm sure there are any number of people who didn't know that a concept album was a concept album somewhere along the line. They read that it was, and it helped enhance their listening, for example, or they yeah. didn't know, they didn't know that, um, how something was composed. Like I really, um, if I had listened to Cobra, for example, by John Zorn without knowing how it was comprised, I still would have enjoyed it, but just the idea of how it was made and kind of seeing, um, not that this was necessarily like a, a music review or anything but you know you sent me a video of of him actually doing a game piece performance mm. um i feel like that adds value to it and yeah. that's why i like reading music criticism why i like reading the discourse i don't think anyone's necessarily right yeah but it's it's I, helpful to me to to add that to my perception of yeah what so art is i i i guess my, my my point is more just in that like we shouldn't have these you know these things even though they can be helpful you know i'm not denying that i think it's more like they shouldn't be the end all be all and i feel like we we we, i think and and i'm not i'm not resting the blame with anybody in particular because i think this is more of like a it's, it's almost like a zeitgeist type of issue that it's it's something that like sort of comes from all of us being together as like a culture um that like you know it it feels like that there's like these gatekeepers you know these people who are obsessed with like you know their stuff being right that that's sort of why like i tend not to like you know read too much of something like like you know theodore adorno um you know like even though i find a lot of his ideas interesting when i've heard them explained i i just like i i i don't like how they how a lot of people basically just you know lift it up to this to you know to being like this objective idea when it's really like i think it's it's again it's just another idea there's no perfect idea there's no perfect explanation for all this mm-hmm. stuff there's stuff that can help you know like like you know um sort of look at like i remember uh deep cuts did uh, a really interesting video can uh sort of comparing um vaporwave to uh jacques derrida's uh, notion of hauntology which is just a whole fucking rabbit's hole like derrida it's just he is one huge rabbit's hole i mean <laughs> you know it's it like but he brings up some really interesting points about sort of reusing things and you know how, sort of what that says about culture in general and you know so like it's, it's not to say that these things don't have value i just think it's more how we place that value or if if you want to get confusing how we value that value <laughs> uh that that sort of sticks in my craw but I, I i'm sort of turning this into my into you know let's let's let jimmy bitch about a, a topic for 
for an hour. Uh, I I guess I I got this all from just the idea of music as manipulation, just because I I, I think that nobody is. I think everybody, you know, I, I think in, in, unless you want to view art as something very ambiguous, I think the only other option is to say that it's manipulative, you know, and not not to say that, uh, that that's inherently like a negative thing. Um, it's just that, you know, like, I, I don't know, I've just, I've always viewed art personally just as, as something that's more than just manipulation like i think it's it's it it always feels like it's more than the sum of its parts and like i feel like any explanation of it uh seems to sort of defy uh you know sort of explaining the whole thing like you know if you want to take a uh like a sort of like a a shift in medium like uh uh, jg ballard is one of my favorite authors i've read almost everything he's ever written um I could not tell you for the life of me what exactly he's trying to say. <laughs> I honestly like, and, and I mean, I say this as, as like a huge fan of his. And I mean, like I always tried like, and you, you get some, like, some general ideas of like what his stuff is about. Sort of like the idea of, uh, you know, technology's effect on our minds and sort of in on society as a whole and sort of, the idea of, of repressing sort of the more animalistic sides of who we are. Like, you know, I, you see a lot of that in his work, but like, I, you know, when you try to like pin it down, when I've tried to pin it down to something, it's like, it, it, it's like impossible for me because it feels like it always, it always like squirms under that dissection and like just sort of, you know, scoots away, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, um, I, I, I guess that's my point. Uh, but Again, I I feel like I've taken this way out of context. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, uh, I guess to to pull what I think I can comment from from what you're you're saying yeah, for, for, I, I for, 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 from my from my garbage mouth. <laughs> no, like, I, I think that you know, art can be used for any number of purposes, as as we've kind of talked about, and it's it is kind of a an incredibly difficult thing to to nail down I'd say especially once you get more on the fringes of kind of what's considered normal um, mm-hmm. like I think I remember that one time we were in the car I don't want to speak for him but I feel like this isn't that much of an extrapolation when we were in the car with Andrew and I put it in the Mersbau album I think he was on the verge of saying like you know I don't think this is music you know like he <laughs> kind of was saying like what, you know, why do you listen to this what do you get from it and I I I get the sense that as time goes on, more and more things that weren't art will be, or weren't considered music will be accepted as music. I mean, there was a period of time where like saying rap wasn't music, I'm sure was a very mainstream belief. I mean, there are still any number of people who still believe that, but you know, Mm -hmm. obviously they're kind of, they kind of are behind the times on that. (laughs) Um, But I think it's fascinating to have these discussions. Uh, Like I remember uh, this is semi-related, but, in an aesthetics class I took in college, one of the questions that no one in our class could answer is like, why do we in, why do we enjoy color? Like, why do we just inherently enjoy color? And like, just because it's beautiful, I'm like, well, like, well, why is it beautiful? Like, it's just kind of the professor took a very Socratic method, and I don't really know. And there's some some things, uh, kind of like with music, for example, uh, like the the commercial music or um, any type of stock music that you can buy for these things it's kind of 
you know it when you hear it, or rather, you know what it isn't when you hear it. Like, mm. I wouldn't consider that art, but like, why isn't it art? Like, well, just because it isn't. And then it's one of those things where you have a rabbit hole of, um, like, what what was the intent? Like, it didn't have intention. Like, I'm sure you could find any number of like. There's a a, a song we study in our one of my comm classes is called uh, I think it's what about that doggy in the window? Oh, it's like, it's how like, much is that doggy in the yeah, window? Yeah, yeah, it's like the most vapid, dumb, awful song you could think I, I of. Mean, I mean, I love that song, but only because it shows up in Bioshock too. <laughs> it, it, it's a hilarious but, song, and it, yeah. and to me. I think you could always How find much is that uh yeah, yeah sorry <laughs> yeah and i feel like you can always throw a history you can find like music that was just i think to your point about pop music you know how many pop songs were written with no artistic because because you never know you, you never know uh how much someone wrote yeah. a song you never know i mean exactly. that's really prevalent in hip-hop too like you know when when um an album or a song has like so many production credits and like you know who actually wrote it who has the most because there's a distinction between a co-producer and you know executive producer and i think there's another distinction i think it's like like regular producer yeah regularly was produced by our co-produce and it's so um it's so difficult to to see like did they contribute like 18 percent to this song or whatever yeah and once you get once you get into that conversation it's just ridiculous yeah and, and then not even including the fact that you know, um, what producer means is completely different in other genres of music. Oh, God, yeah. So yeah. It's like, just, producer it's means, like, like, what it means in hip-hop is is so extraordinarily different from what it means. I mean, there are some parallels, but, like, yeah. the the weight of their contributions... Um, it's, it's spread out differently. It, it manifests in such a different way. Yeah. Um, like, you know, for example, you have someone like Kurt Ballou. He helps, you know, a specific subset of metal and hardcore bands sound you know kind of exactly the pocket they want to sound like yeah or like whereas steve albini or yeah, yeah whereas if you're talking with someone like the rizza he literally just creates like wu-tang clan's sound and music in its entirety like yeah. those are two obviously they're related but they're two very different things when you really boil down what are they contributing to this this album yeah it, um, it's it, it's sort of like uh it's yeah i, I can't help but think of weight it's sort of like where that weight shows up on your body almost yeah. like wait wearing that on your booty or on your gut exactly <laughs> god I, I for some reason i can't take anything seriously um so i i guess uh you know like we, we definitely went in a lot of different directions um you know so do you have any really final words i guess about uh about this like any last things you want to get off your chest no, I, I like that you started by saying you're using this video as a, a launching point because I think we had a really interesting conversation, touched on a lot of different yeah uh, ideas. I, I don't think that any of these necessarily have kind of like you said as well a, a surefire answer. I think that these are difficult questions. Like when you, when you um like it's it's kind of like is is that a tv like yes that's a tv you know it's kind of getting to like um getting to metaphysics now yeah, exactly or whatever yeah. but like you know what is music like that's a much harder question yeah and, you know what counts I, as music? because i'm sure you would if you ask any number of of people they you know there are probably a ton of people i mean probably there are definitely a ton of people 
who would say noise music or even ambient music isn't music or they would say that uh and then i remember we had you know a whole conversation about ambient music that i think is relevant here like all just like the the, the sheer volume of, of kind of throwaway ambient releases on Bandcamp. Mm. i think that's totally relevant you know you know people again who would still think that hip-hop isn't music and it's or pop isn't music or metal isn't music um i don't know it's a very interesting conversation uh, it, i'll definitely still be thinking yeah about it. i i think it's worth i think that that's something to keep in mind just but because i think the, there are so many directions this conversation could have taken and i think that you know we didn't even get to the even we didn't even scratch the surface of mm-hmm. sort of this general broad idea of music and manipulation uh, because I, I mean, think we could probably have a three-hour conversation even, and and still not get close, mm-hmm. you know, to sort of uh, exhausting all the possibilities that this question has. Because I mean, you could take this from a political angle, you could take it more from like musicological angle. You know, it's it's you know, it's it's very infinite in in its in just in its formlessness, I guess, uh, which makes zero sense now that I think about it. Infinite <laughs> in its formlessness. It's it's a very Taoist thing to say, I guess. <laughs> but uh, so, all right. Uh, I I just will say that I I, I you know, uh, manipulation is. I I don't think it's a good thing, you know, or at least I I think it's more like when there's this specific intent to manipulate. I think behind it that that, that that's when I personally tend to shut off. Uh, just or just the idea that when when people tell you that oh this thing is only meant to be you know used in this way that like oh this corporate music is only meant to be used to you know make people feel good or things like or like you know to make them buy a product you know or to influence them to do that which is and I I, I just think that it's you're sort of putting you're putting baby in a corner if you will and nobody puts baby in a corner so. <laughs> Uh, okay, so with that, I think we should just end this conversation. Let's talk about um, albums of the week. Scoots, you got an album of the week for me. I do indeed, and uh-huh. this is a very topical pick. Um, and I'm not, you know, I I always have my cute little intro, and then yeah, you try to guess. I like uh, I, I, I like hearing it. So <laughs> uh, I'm not going to get far through this without you guessing. Uh, this band. Announced that they are reuniting. Oh, and yeah. I there are two possibilities. That's true. Um, I guess I didn't consider that. Um, but I checked my bookshelf, and I guess over the course of time, I bought all three of their CDs, which I guess I guess I remember doing. It should be uh, but, four. I mean, technically, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. I mean, if we're talking about Rage Against the Machine, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Renegades, their cover at, cover album. Oh, that's true. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't have that one. I have the yeah. three studio albums. Um, but, and yeah, anyway. <laughs> I, I just started with the the debut. And yeah. it, it is really... Um, I mean, at the end of the day, what they're doing, they're creating some great rock music. You know, just... Th- at the core of their sound are some phenomenal riffs. Obviously, you have mm. you know Tom Morello's you know effect wizardry and just uh, all the the weird shit he did with his guitar. But he just wrote some great great riffs. And right oh, now yeah. I'm on uh, I'm on uh, Evil Empire, which uh, uh, 
God, when every time Balls on Parade comes on, I just have to yes. it up because that's just Fuck such yes. a great riff, such a such a great riff. But beyond that, uh, what actually comprises their sound is really interesting. Like you have a little bit of almost like quasi funk that informs uh, the way that the um, you know the rhythm section, the guitars work together. Obviously, you have the hip hop elements. You have just straight rock you have you know some the weird like kind of new metal alt metal experimentation there are a lot of even noise yeah yeah like Mm -hmm. like some some of the moments that you know morello does or or just when the um the group gets really crazy and and on that note um zach de la roca and aided by like the, the how the music you know evolves in these moments he like yells like oh yeah really has a, yeah. an intense punk vibe and just hearing how these disparate elements come together in songs that you know any like anyone can listen to you know that, that or not anyone but you want know, like that are relatively popular but have a lot of depth to it obviously you know the, the lyrics um are, are pretty intense and it's really awesome to to um Dale rook is like a hell of a lyricist man yeah like, yeah, he still has one of my favorite rap verses of the decade. Uh, I'm miles ahead of you. You could sit my bitches brew. That was on the. the, the <laughs> oh Run yeah, I'm Run the Jewels too. Yeah. Oh, such a good line. But yeah, I mean, it's just it's unfortunately all the tour dates they're doing are are not even remotely close to the East Coast. Yeah, I know. Um, it sucks. But hopefully, at some point they will. I don't know what that means in terms of them producing a new album or what the extent of them reuniting is they've talked before about that they wouldn't do a new album so i i I, you know i'm sort of taking their word for it but i mean you 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 do never know because i mean who who would think that hootie and the blowfish would come back for another album this year you know like oh is that why i i saw a a ton of stuff about hootie and the blowfish i'm like why the fuck why yeah Uh, is that why that's really interesting yeah i mean not in a good way but okay good for them (laughs) So, so which Rage album are we talking about? The, the debut? Yeah, the debut. Uh, okay. I mean, I have all three in the car. I'm going to be spinning them, but uh, that's the first one I uh, okay. I got through. I yeah. would have got, probably would have gotten through Evil Empire right now, but I keep skipping back to Bulls on Parade. <laughs> it is uh, such a great I, song. Just I, I, run around the family with a pocket full of shells. Yeah, because yeah. I have like somewhat of a, a relatively short commute, so I don't have time. Like, I, I like to always leave off on a song. <laughs> um like I, I, I don't like I to get that i don't like to stop in the middle of a song so i stop at work i'm like all right i'll stop you here and then i'm like uh when i get back in the car i want to do it again uh i need to listen to bulls on parade one more time before yeah, i go exactly. in and then pretty soon the whole work day is over <laughs> exactly oh man um, that's how i want to spend my day uh you know i actually related um so polyphonic the channel i mentioned earlier who turned me on to this tana cruel video um he put out a video about uh, Rage Against the Machine, sort of their message, and it dove into a lot of uh, Marshall McLuhan's uh, sort of ideas on uh, on art and like sort of the yeah. the, the idea the medium of, medium is the message. Yes, exactly. Thank you. And um, yeah, it, it's a really interesting video. It's definitely worth checking out. It's very relevant to this conversation too, uh, because you know I I think McLuhan probably is. I, I mean, see, I, I've never been able to, like, interpret his work um, incredibly well because I just lack that critical faculty, I guess, for for, for some for some of that, like, uh, social commentary, I guess. But, like, what he's saying is pretty much kind of what I've been saying, I guess, the whole time in, in a way. But, again, I, I, I don't want to put 
you know, my words in his mouth and vice versa. But um, just, yeah, if anybody's interested, check out that video. It's really cool. Uh, really, really well done. I mean, I, I, I think almost every single episode for like the past month I've been shouting out Polyphonic because I think he's just such a great YouTuber. Um, but yeah, just check out his stuff. Like he just did an episode on um, uh, on his favorite Halloween song, which was um, I Put a Spell on You. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, cool. Yeah, and he just sort of talks about how that song influenced like something as strange as like metal because I, apparently Marilyn Manson covered that song which it is kind of not surprising in a way but um anyway just check out polyphonic he, he's a he, he's a great it just great channel uh you know definitely worth shouting out so my album of the week uh i i was actually listening to like i said i was listening to uh richard dawson's 2020 today and like with the first song on i was like oh man this might be album of the week and i was like i was i was hoping but like it really like it has some really cool ideas in it, but mm-hmm. it just didn't work out. But uh, which means that I'm falling back on what I was originally going to choose, which is uh, "Toward the Within" by Dead Can Dance. It's a, oh, cool. uh, I think, I think it's their first live album, and uh, I'm like, I just, I, I, I picked it out of my wall of my just giant wall of CDs, and I was like, it's been a while since I've listened to, like Dead Can Dance, and I put it on, and I was like, just so blown away by what they're able to do and not even to mention that they're doing this all live and just the like like the song selections that they took are really interesting too like like they did a um they did a cover of uh i'm stretched over your grave with the old irish tune uh that i think shanae o'connor is probably best known for covering if i remember right um but like, but then they also do like, um, they do this song called Rakim, I think. Um, it's, I, I don't know if it's Rakim, um, but it's, it's the opening song, which is like, it doesn't show up on any Dick and Dance album, but I like love that track. But then they also do um, uh, Yulunga, which is the opening track from uh, Into the Labyrinth, which I we talked about on uh, Desert Island Discs as sort of one of the tracks I would choose. Uh, you know, and they, but then they even played um, this track called Sunvian, or I'm probably mispronouncing it, but that shows up on um, Lisa Gerard's uh, solo album, uh, The Mirror Pool, and it's a beautiful, beautiful song. And it just, you know, I, I, I'm picking some just because I think, you know, Dick and Dance is a great band, but I think, you know, this is just a great testament to what they're capable of. You know, and it was just so enjoyable, and it was—it's something that I'm still thinking about now, even though I've listened to like just a ton of other music besides that. So, um, yeah, <laughs> cool. Tis it. Um, so, guys, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks a lot. Right, bye. Thanks for listening, guys. And uh, if you're interested, uh, you know, if you want to hear more, just, you know, listen to us on uh, iTunes, Pod, Apple Podcasts, Android Podcasts, anywhere you can get a podcast, basically. Uh, we're on all of it. Uh, if you follow us on Anchor, too, you know, whatever works for you. And uh, definitely be sure to follow us on Twitter. And if you ever have any suggestions, topics you want us to talk about or questions, anything like that. 
uh, be sure to email us. Yeah, uh, we're at, at Seishira Podcast on Twitter, and our email, I think, is Seishira Podcast at gmail.com. And, uh, yeah, as always, thanks for listening. Yeah, appreciate it a lot. Bye.